Welcome to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast, a weekly conversation about mental health, personal development, and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. To get more information, visit the website at therapyforblackgirls.com. And while I hope you love listening to and learning from the podcast, it is not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. Hey, y'all. Thanks so much for joining me for Session 74 of the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. Since we spent so much time this week talking about Black women athletes, it felt like a great time to share the conversation I had with Natalie Graves all about Black women athletes and body image. Natalie is a certified school social worker, licensed clinical social worker, and certified alcohol and drug counselor in Michigan. In her practice, she specializes in athletes' mental health and wellness. She received her master's degree from the University of Chicago School of Social Service Administration and her bachelor's degree from Chicago State University. Natalie is a member of the University of Michigan Social Worker and Sports Association and serves as a guest lecturer for the University of Michigan School of Social Work. She has also spent time working with the NBA to provide mental wellness presentations for players and participated in their rookie transition program, offering information on mental health, self-care, and goal setting. Natalie and I discussed some of the common concerns Black women athletes face, how Black women's bodies are seen and critiqued in sports, and we discussed body image issues as it relates to athletes, but also to Black women generally. If you hear something you enjoy while listening, please be sure to share it with us on social media using the hashtag TBGInSession. Here's our conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today, Natalie. Joy, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm very excited to have you join us today to talk about Black women athletes, um, because I definitely think, you know, we see a lot in the news, we see in a lot in the media, but I think it'll be an interesting perspective to kind of hear about some of the struggles and some of the challenges they often have, because I know you work with a lot of Black women athletes. So can you share a little bit about some of the common things that your athletes struggle with? Absolutely. When we're talking about uh, female athletes, we look at different sports and there are different issues. So for an example, Sports that are judged, like swimming or gymnastics or ice skating, I find that there's more body issues, eating disorders. So I take a lot of interest in addressing that with the athletes that I work with. Obviously, uh, confidence and athletic stress are big issues, struggles with performance. But I think one of the things that concerns me greatly with our female athletes is some of the challenges they have as it relates to their physical bodies, their physique. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I do think that there are some sports that like size and build are more important than others, right? Like, you know, something like gymnastics, you do have to, it feels like, have a certain type of body to be successful at gymnastics. That's exactly right. When you're looking at 
sports that you actually dress less, like volleyball, gymnastics, ice skating with the, the short outfits, the dresses. So you are perceived in that sport to have a certain body type. And what we find is athletes who pursue those sports and don't have the traditional body type as those sports expect uh, athletes to have, those particular athletes run into a lot of challenges as it relates to self-image. Can you say more about that? For sure. A perfect example is an athlete who just physically looks different than the majority of, of all the other athletes that play in their sport. So if you think about someone like a Serena Williams, for an example, she is at the pinnacle, has been at the pinnacle of her sport, multi-gold medalist, multi-titles and and championships, but she is really criticized on how she looks physically, not about her achievements on the court, but how she actually looks. And she has been criticized on how she looks uh, if she's overweight, if she's too muscular, she's being criticized of looking like a man. And if we look at what's going on here, it is directly about how she physically looks and her race. Mm. And so she has been met with a lot of body shaming throughout her career starting when she was about 16 years old entering the tour. And a lot of women can relate to that. It's just with public athletes, we see it, you know, every day and it's played out very publicly. But a lot of women struggle with how they look, how they perceive themselves. And there's a lot of struggles around the perception of how they think they should look. And it plays a lot on how your self-esteem and how you feel about yourself. I'm glad you brought up the race piece, Natalie, because even recently, Serena has talked about how she continues to get tested for like yeah. for drugs in her system, right? Like even more than other people. And you, you have to believe, I think, that that is connected to race in some ways. You know, like what other reason is there that she's getting tested at the rate at which she is other than race and because she's so good? That's exactly right. It's, It's one, because she's so good. But I think there's also a bias in how she physically looks. So she looks a certain way. So there is a conclusion that she must be doing something that is some drug enhancement or some steroids or doing something illegal instead of acknowledging the greatness that she has, the abilities that she has. And when we look at other tennis players, and Serena has talked about this, when we look at a player like Maria Sharapova, who is blonde, looks like a model, she's thin. And she tested positive for drugs. And you compare that to Serena, how much she's been tested versus how Maria Sharapova has been tested and who, one who's been tested positive. You know, you see there's some serious discrepancies there and you can't ignore the fact that Serena is black. Right. I'm wondering if there are other ways that you feel like some of these microaggressions show up with athletes. Do you have any thoughts about other things that have kind of popped up that you've maybe seen with clients or heard of? Yeah, for sure. A lot of times there's kind of this otherness that goes on. If you are the only African-American on your team, and so you're perceived different, even though you're playing the same team as your teammates, and that plays out a lot. We see that with soccer teams. We see that in individual sports. I see it a lot in golf 
where golf is a predominantly white sport, but when we have black athletes, particularly female athletes, there's a lot of challenges around that. Some of the challenges that some of the young golfers experience is low self-esteem because there's a comparison, not feeling confident within their own abilities because they look and feel different. There's a culture around that and there's an environment that feeds into that. And so we have to really be mindful how we're we're training our girls and how we're talking to our girls and how we're talking about our girls so that we can really strengthen them and give them the confidence they need to thrive in sports or in everyday life, whatever that may be, whether it's at a job, at college, in school. Because if we don't have that self-worth and that belief, it plays out in a lot of ways in our lives. And how would you suggest we start having some of those conversations? Like, where do you feel like we could be doing a better job at helping girls have better self-worth and better self-esteem? One of the things that I think is really important that as parents and caregivers and family members, we're very mindful how we speak to and about our children. You know, how many times have you heard something like, girl, take those pants off, they're too tight. That comment right there puts negative connotation on that young girl's body. Or when we say things like, all these boys looking at you, as if this young girl did something wrong because she's getting attention from the young man. And so those type of comments where we don't mean anything harmful when we say them, but they have a great effect. So I want, I want us to really be mindful how we talk to our young girls and children. We also have to pay attention to how we talk about ourselves in front of our daughters. You know, when we say, oh, I look so fat in this dress. Oh, this top makes my breast look so big. And we're saying that in front of our daughters. What do our daughters think about themselves when they hear their mothers talk like that? Words are so powerful. And when you're growing up in a home and you're hearing negative comments indirectly and directly, that can only have a negative effect on how you feel about yourself. So if we can be careful and be aware and actually refrain from having those comments in front of our children, it would make a huge difference in how uh, young girls think about themselves. I think another thing is to really surround yourself with people who appreciate you. You know, look at the environment. Is it an environment where it's very critical, where you're always being criticized for the way you look, the way you dress, the way you wear your hair? You know, is that the kind of environment that you want to be in? And we also have to look at culturally. Are we creating environments that body shaming is acceptable? So what do I mean by that? So are we at work? And part of the work activities is to just talk about how someone dresses every day. And we make fun of that. Or we have comments that are negative about that. And what we're doing is we're saying in our workplace or in our organizations or in our school groups or in school classes that talking this way about women is okay. And women contribute to this quite often. A lot of times we think, you know, it's men objecting women and being sexist and disrespectful. But as women, we have to look at our behavior too. Are we making negative comments about another woman's body or, or dress she's wearing? And are we saying that with other people and having a discussion about that? Well, we're creating a very toxic environment that says talking about a woman's body 
is okay to do. So we really need to be careful about that. And I think another thing is revaluing ourselves, really not allowing negative thoughts, whether it's stereotypes, direct comments, self-doubt, to really inform who we really are. You know, really focusing on the value of who you are and who you believe you are, who you want to be, building yourself up and really just confronting poor behavior. I was on Facebook the other day and it was a post about someone uh, commenting on someone's body parts. And, and there was a long thread of it and, and it was so funny and people were just commenting on this and that. I was reading this and it happened to be about a male, but I was reading this and I was thinking, this is so unacceptable. This post is about a physical feature about someone and we're just going to publicly talk negatively about it. And, and what I posted was, you know, I'm just not into shaming bodies, whether they're men or women. That's just me. And that was my way of just pushing back. So I think we just have to kind of confront the behavior when we see it as well, because it, it can be very detrimental and it's very toxic. So I'm glad that you said that, Natalie, because I think we saw a lot of this, um, and I guess it would still be considered body shaming, though not necessarily around a body part, but related to Gabby Douglas and her hair um, when she was in the Olympics, right? Like it felt like there were a lot of like jokes and memes and, you know, kind of like rude comments made about her hair. And then, you know, years later when she was interviewed, she talked about how hurtful that had been. Absolutely. And let's look at that, Joy. You know, we're talking about 2012 and the London Olympics, and we're facing history as African-Americans. The first Black woman to win gold individually and all-around competition. History. Flawless on the floor. And the focus was her hair being slicked back with clips in it. I mean, and that has to have been very hurtful for Gabby as she is trying to, first off, be only African-American on the team. So there's a lot of pressure just to deal with that. And to hear all of this criticism about how she is wearing her hair, as if that is the thing she needs to be worrying about. And, you know, I found that really interesting. I, I was saddened by a lot of the criticism was coming from our own community. Mm -hmm. And where the focus was about, you know, how her hair looks and, you know, it's unkept and it's unneed and it's unsanitary. So I read something like that. And, and I have to question, like, what is happening within us that while history is being made at the Olympics, we're worried about how Gabby's hair looks. I was worried about if she was going to stick the landing. That's what I was worried about. But, you know, it's very interesting and, and it's really sad. And I think we have to really look deeper in some of the self-hatred that we can have in communities, in our community particularly. And where do you think some of that comes from? Can you talk more about that? Well, some of it is being uncomfortable with people in different spaces. I think there's a lack of connection within ourselves. I was reading an article uh, the other day about how adolescent and teenage girls, when they get upset, the first thing they do is attack their friend physically. You know, you, you have a big nose or, or that's why you're, you're so fat. And what the research was saying is that what happens is 
instead of dealing with the actual emotions that are happening in that moment, we go on an, an attack physically because that's the first thing we see. But what's really going on is I'm feeling hurt. You know, I'm hurt that you're not talking to me or I miss you as a friend. And instead of dealing with those emotions and that and, and dealing with being vulnerable and talking about that, we attack a person physically. I think also when it relates to athletes on a very public stage, I think it's a lot of racism. And I think uh, people just buy into not even realizing that it's sexist and racist and other people of the same communities kind of buy into that thought process. So we really have to be aware of, you know, where some of these comments and, and some of the feelings that we are having, where are they coming from? And really need to address that. It definitely sounds like you mentioned before, like the self-assessment piece is really important, but also kind of pushing back and calling other people out or calling them in when you see other people making comments that are not very healthy or helpful to other people. That's for sure. And, you know, I don't think we really realize the the severity of some of the effects of body shaming, whether it's an athlete or, you know, the next the person next door. There's a lot of shame, you know, low self-esteem. And in extreme cases, they're, they're um, at risk for eating disorders. You know, there are a lot of outcomes as it relates to isolating oneself, not wanting to be social. And, and when we look at that, you know, that is a real obstacle in your day-to-day living. If you're, if you're not willing to try for that promotion or you're not willing to speak in a group project or you're not willing to go to that mixer because, you know, you have in the past felt bad about how you look physically, there's a daily impact that people experience because of the negative effects of talking about how one looks walking around in their body every day. It's very significant. And I don't think we talk about it or we realize it. And I, and I appreciate you, Joy, for really allowing me to talk about it because it, it, it's really serious when we're talking about our young girls and wanting them to be confident and assertive and wanting them to achieve their goals. Well, it's hard to do that if you don't feel good about yourself. Yeah, I would imagine so. And I would imagine, you know, like even more like for, you know, your athletes, because they do tend to be so much more visible, you know, like we've talked about Serena and Gabby, but even, you know, your high school and college athletes do have some level of visibility, you know, typically on their teams. No, you're absolutely right. And they feel that pressure and stress, too. And a lot of times I do have to do a check in as far as how they're feeling, you know, emotionally as it relates to, you know, their weight, their body. Uh, There's a lot of pressure in sports um, for young ladies to to have a certain physique, to weigh a certain amount, you know, to look a certain way. And um, even though there may not be direct pressure sometimes for those athletes, they still feel it because there's a culture in sports around that. And, and so, you know, when we're talking about 13, 14, you know, 15, 16 years old, it's hard to navigate that space in that way. You know, when we're, when we're young, we usually start out as body neutral or body positive. We're not conscious of how we look or anything that might be right or wrong with our bodies. We're just, we're just existing. And then when people begin to comment on how we look 
physically comment on our, our shape or our size, we become aware of our body. And this is the time when that negative body image starts to happen, when we start comparing ourselves to others, when we start hearing those comments like, you know, if you don't lose the weight, you're not going to get a date, you know, those kind of things where we weren't initially thinking about our bodies that way. But then that outside influences affects us and it has a real impact in how we think about ourselves. And then Joy, not to mention the media and social media. You know, when we think about how Beyonce's body looks or how a model looks or how people put things on, on, on social media and it's Photoshop. And our young girls are having these aspirations to look like this when it's not even a real concept. And, you know, it really, it really opened my eyes. Uh, this past weekend, I was in Toronto for the uh, carnival celebration there. And if you're not familiar with Carnival, it's the celebration of the emancipation of African enslaved people emancipated. And so they have on the outfit. And Joy, I will tell you, I have never seen anything like this where there were all body types that had on these teeny type outfits with the feathers and very little on. And I'm saying when I say the bodies of women that were considered plus size, stretch marks cellulite, rolls, extra skin, and they were out there celebrating the emancipation of African slaves. I had never seen anything in the United States with such pride of women's bodies. I was awestruck. You know, in the States, we are so conditioned to, you know, everything must look perfect, and we have to fit this certain body type, and we have to lose weight, and we have to look like this. And I was over there, and I was looking at all these women, and they were just regular-looking women, like my body in the mirror, which I would be shy to show to anyone. But they were just out there. And it really taught me that, you know, as women, we have this unconscious kind of self-shame about how we look if it doesn't fit a certain conception and I think we see that a lot in the United States. And, and I think that it's really important that we really talk about and emphasize self-acceptance. You know, we're so focused on the physical, outward look of someone when we're not looking at their abilities and their intellect and their personality and their gifts. And I think it's, it's a really myth in our culture today. And, and when I was seeing that festival, when I was at the parade, you know, it was really an eye-opening experience for me to just say, you know, it's okay. It doesn't matter how you look. Just be who you are. I think we need much more of that here. So how do you suggest we do some of that, Natalie? I mean, given that, you know, our culture is so full of these messages about women's bodies in particular, you know, like how do we start to break free from some of that? I think that we start with um, our young girls, for one. Um, to really normalize them as who they are, right? Um, to really value them no matter who they are, what they look like, um, how long their hair is, what color their skin tone is, how their body looks. I think we should just love them the way they are and empower them. I think that's the beginning of that. I think it, then it also stems to really allowing ourselves to be okay with who we are. I mean, there's really no such thing as a perfect body. 
And when we have a, that type of construct of an idea, you know, it's a setup for failure. So if we could just be okay with being normal, I think that is a huge concept of, you know what, you know, I have a little extra weight and you know what, I'm still going to wear these shorts because it's hot today. And, and that's okay. I think there's too much of criticizing and, and we have to call that out and we have to kind of live in our own truth, in our own lives to say, I'm not going to buy into that. I'm not going to contribute to it. My goal should not be perfection. It should be, you know, the best value. So I think changing some of the dialogue joy is really important and really valuing things more than just the physical quality of of how we look. Got it. I also really like, you know, when you said the whole starting with our girls, I'm encouraged that I've seen more of those lists recently. I'm sure you have um, of like things to say to a girl besides like that she looks pretty. Like, you know, you can tell them that she's really smart or I'm really glad that you stuck with that. You know, like all different kinds of compliments you can give to young girls that don't put the focus on their physicality. And just doing that is so impactful in a young girl's life by just saying, you know, you really had a great answer. You know, that was so great. You showed so much courage when you did what you did. You know, looking beyond just how we look is so important. And, you know, at the end of the day, our looks fade. And and, and that is just not, the the important things of in life you know it really needs to we really need to be focusing on with our girls you know encouraging their goals and their aspirations and building up how they feel about themselves as an individual not necessarily uh how they look physically and that's really important to me when i work with young girls and young women for that matter is really having them to look at what do they think what do they feel and what do they expect and none of that has anything to do with how they look physically it's about getting in touch with who they are as an individual and i think when we do that we feel better about ourselves internally And in turn, we feel better about ourselves physically on the outside as well. I love it. So what are some of your favorite resources, Natalie? What are your kind of go-to books for people who want to like learn more or, um, you know, have more discussions around this topic? I'm actually reading right now a book. um, Sadly, Joy, there's not a lot, believe it or not. There's not a lot of resources as it relates to uh, the Black um, female body and as it relates to athletes. There's not a lot of research out there about it, but there is a book that I found and it's called Recovering the Black Female Body. And it's a book of essays talking about some of the things we talked about today. And it's a collection of essays and theories with the intersection of black female bodies and the Western culture. So it's a really interesting and informative read. I would highly recommend that as it relates to this topic today. And I do have some other resources that are just related to, you know, athletes and mental health. I listen to a couple podcasts I'm really a fan of. One is called um, Sports Psychology Today. And that podcast talks about sports psychology as it relates to collegiate athletes and high school athletes. And there's some mental health episodes on there. So I'm a big fan of that. I have a couple resources myself. Um, I, I have a Pinterest page where I provide a lot of resources for athletes and 
people who love athletes and they're concerned about maybe mental health or performance challenges. So you could find that on Pinterest under Natalie Gray's Athletic Counseling. Joy, just for your listeners, I have a free mental health checklist for athletes. If you need more information about your athlete, you're concerned about maybe some at-risk symptoms or behaviors, I have a checklist that you can, I can email to you for the athlete in your life. You're an athlete and you, you want to know more about mental health as it relates to your sport. I'm happy to send that out to you. And always, Joy, anyone who I know, I always recommend your podcast. And then I'm not just saying that. I mean, it is like the best thing out here. So I always reference uh, Therapy for Black Girls podcast. But those are kind of my top resources that I give to people. Perfect. I like that. And what is your website for people who want to be able to get in touch with you or find out more about your services, Natalie? Sure. It's nataliegraves.com. So you can reach me there. I'm on Facebook. My private practice page is Natalie Graves Athletic Counseling. You can find me there. On Twitter, it's Natalie underscore one. I'm on Instagram, Natalie Graves Athletic Counselor. And you can also email me directly at nataliegravesLCSW at gmail.com. Sounds good. And of course, we will have all of that information in the show notes for people who want to reference it later. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Natalie. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me, Joy. It was really great. Absolutely. I'm so thankful Natalie was able to share her expertise with us today. To check out the resources that she shared and to learn more about her practice, visit the show notes at therapyforblackgirls.com slash session 74. And please make sure to share your takeaways with us from the episode in your IG stories. Make sure to use the hashtag TBG in session so that we can find them and share them. If you're looking for a therapist in your area, be sure to visit the therapist directory at therapyforblackgirls.com slash directory. And if you want to continue this conversation and join a community of other sisters who listen to the podcast, join us over in the Thrive Tribe at therapyforblackgirls.com slash tribe. Make sure you answer the three questions that are asked to gain entry. Thank y'all so much again for joining me this week. And I look forward to continuing this conversation with you all real soon. Take good care. 